Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i em-power.com you're listening to ngsc sports radio hear us live on ngscsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, spreaker itunes tune in and much more for our latest videos head to ngsc sports youtube channel follow us on twitter at ngsc sports and like us on facebook ngsc sports we never stop. Oh, finally getting silver. <laughs> hey guys, this was supposed to be how game one was going to sound. Here, <laughs> and then we had to do northern. I'll tell you, man, the way uh, the way that Rocky Mountain game one is going, um, they win something like fifty-six to six or something, and they won by like fifty points. Uh, something huge, yeah. If the team they beat, that's like their only loss this year. <laughs> oh, wow. South Carolina's like 6-1. and one. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, so that, um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, Rocky Mountain good. Rocky Mountain good. Yeah, they're pretty good, which I guess means Nash Central is also pretty good. <sighs> we'll see. I, every, I told you, I think everybody's pretty good. Yeah. And I see you put it's a clean sheet, boom. The actual quote was, it was a clean sheet, yippee. I know, I did see that. <laughs> Which literally, as that came across my thing, almost made me fall down. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. I can just imagine Cook going, ha, yippee. The hilarious thing is, I I was actually thinking that, with because I, I was able to watch most of the match, and when it got to about the 80th minute, I was like, well... At least they clean, kept a clean clean sheet, and I, I just trying to twirl my finger there. I was like, "Yay!" Exactly. It's like we finally did. It. It's like, God damn it! <laughs> no, I was um, mine was great. I was literally sitting in uh, my daughter's gymnastics class, which I take her to every other Monday uh-huh. because Tracy works every other Monday night. Mm-hmm. So I take. So I'm sitting in there like on my phone, like people trying to talk to me. I'm just like, don't talk to me. <laughs> It's like, my, look, my headphones are on. I'm obviously watching something. Don't talk to me right now. <laughs> something much more important going on. Than, I don't give a crap about your kid. This moment, I don't give that big a crap about my kid. As long as she doesn't break her neck, I'm fine. That's true. So, this is fucking Liverpool United. You could twit. You twit. Twits. Twits. Ah. Uh. That's usually what we tell people who listen to the Foreign Affair podcast. Ah, just kidding. We love you guys. We love each and every single one of you who listen to us. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCallin Crime, Wes Bradshaw, and this is episode 129, and as always is presented to you by NGSC Sports, NGSCSports.com. We never stop, as well as Christy Rojas at I Am Power and I'm Next USA. And I'll tell you what's next for some of these Premier League teams. Uh, for some of them, they're going 
going to need to start scoring some goals. For others, they're going to need to stop allowing so many goals. If you're Hull, it's probably both. Uh, we'll be getting into plenty of Premier League talk. We'll also be doing a little Champions League talk. And of course, hitting news and notes, watch for and so raw. Uh, but Wes, we are we are ready and raring to go. And uh, it's uh, it was a big weekend in the Premier League. It was, it was, uh, and then Ed, to, to cap it off, a match we'll talk about, the match that uh, was so anticipated, it had its own hashtag Red Monday, mm. and it was uh, kind of like that old uh, Matthew McConaughey movie, Failure to Launch. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it was more like hashtag Blue Monday uh, for some people, as in I wish it was uh, Blue Laws so we could all start drinking. Ah, but we'll get to that later on in the show. But first, it's our Premier League first five, and we start with up the cherries as they beat down oh, Hull the with the cherries. Love the cherries uh, with the Tigers looking tame. Uh, things were live after Ryan Mason answered Charlie Daniels opening strike. Oh, wait, but the boy, Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. That is fucking bullshit because I would not be caught dead in <laughs> Georgia. Georgia. And oh my God. <laughs> six, six, six. Oh, that's the devil. Things were alive I'm at the right Mason. I'm glad you and I get that one now. So. It's very nice. Uh, Charlie Daniels had the opening strike, but Bournemouth then scored five answer, uh, five unanswered after Ryan Mason's equalizer with junior Stanislas recording a brace as that one finished. Bournemouth six, Hull one. Cherries can score some goals. Uh, Stoke, hey, they can score goals too, and now they've scored a win for themselves. Little Joe Allen with a pair for the Potters in the first half. The first on a header fed from Marco Arnautovic, and the second on a rather tame effort that was never dealt with by any of the defenders and goalkeeper that had passed through on the way to the back of Sunderland's net from the back of the 18-yard box. Stoke pick up their first win at the expense of fellow, fellow winless team Sunderland as it finishes Stoke 2, Sunderland nil. Uh, West Ham used a manual Lanzini goal just inside the first 20 minutes to win at Crystal Palace. The Hammers are slowly getting back their offensive weapons, so possibly a run up the table will follow after, which would be music to Slavin Bilic's ears, and maybe Iron Hammer fans as well, as maybe they can keep Dimitri Payet. Not really. Uh, Christian those, and, and real quick, those ears now uh, sporting some some fresh uh, fresh grass on the green up top, as Slavin Bilic... Uh, I don't know what happened, but suddenly he has grown a nice little head of hair up there. Oh, it's very nice. No more trouble and no more bald spots in any of the sectors. Oh, no up more there. sectors, exactly. Very strange. I wonder if he and Wayne Rooney have spoken. Maybe. Oh, I just told him about I get my hair blocks. Oh, Christian Benteke completely missed a penalty chance just before halftime that would prove costly, as well as putting a header in off the post at stoppage time. Even Aaron Cresswell being sent off uh, with a second yellow couldn't pull the Eagles back as it was Crystal Palace nil, West Ham one. Jose Olabas was the lone scorer for Watford in their win at Millsborough. His delicious curler from outside the penalty area into the top near corner denies newly promoted Middlesbrough their first home win of the season as it finishes Middlesbrough nil, Watford one. And a nervy first half for Southampton gave way to a brilliant second frame. Charlie Austin scored twice against his old club. Nathan Redmond added one of his own. And though Sam Vokes pulled one back for Burnley, this was a match that shows just how reliant Burnley are on their defense as it finished Southampton 3, Burnley 
one. And now we start our five in focus. Da -da 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 -da. Ah, Chelsea. Chelsea themselves run roughshod over the team that took their title last season. First, it was Diego Costa quickly putting the host ahead off a corner at the front post, and it went from bad to worse as David Luiz almost added a second before Ednazard beat Kasper Schmeichel in the first half hour. Victor Moses had the final blow on a beautiful give-and-go with Nathaniel Chaloba. About the only problem for Chelsea after the match came when it was reported that Costa asked to be subbed off from the match because he no longer wanted to listen to Antonio Conte yell at him. It finished Chelsea 3, Leicester City 0. Things would get better for Leicester City in the midweek, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Wes, again, just about a perfect performance for Chelsea on the day. But this is something that Costa did last season, and Mourinho immediately sat him down for the next match. Uh, it will be interesting to see what Antonio Conte, a fiery manager in his own right, uh, will do with his leading scorer. I mean, it's interesting because, damn it, Lackey's coming out. No. I, I was in a pool tonight, and I said if he threw 86 pitches, I would have won like some special like Cubs towel or something. And he exits at 72. Damn you. Damn you and your matchups. Anyway, speaking of matchups. Uh, Diego Costa. God, just when, you know, last season it was that he didn't, he didn't get off to a good start and he was being a dickhead. Yeah. This season he got off to a good start, but he hasn't dropped the dickheadishness yet. I mean, this, uh, to me, it shows just a ton of immaturity. Um, why should we respect? Why should we expect much different from Diego Costa? I guess you say at home right now. Um, but you know, to me, that that's exactly how I feel. I feel you've got to sit him down because you know, especially Conte being the new manager, and you know, there being questions about Conte anyway. Uh -huh. I think he's got to go in, and he's got to. Uh, you know, he, he's got to lay down the law and he's got to show the players that look you're not running this shit this is my shit right you know you've got your contract you know i'm i'm fighting for mine it seems like every other match so you know what you're gonna do what i tell you to do and i'm if i feel that you need to be yelled at i'm going to yell at you diego so um, I, I think this is kind of an a early big moment for Conte because he's got to uh, he's got to put his foot down and show who's in charge. Absolutely. You know, we we were talking just last week on the pod, really for the last two weeks, about the transfer policy at Chelsea and, you know, how much slack is Abramovich going to give Conte? Uh, you know, we talked about how uh, Conte was not a fan of the um, uh, uh, Mitsubishi uh, couldn't think of his name, Mishi Bashui signing. And, uh, you know, that he might be going back on loan. And then literally the next morning, cause that's how it happens with us. Uh, bookmakers stop taking bets on Conti being the next manager to go for the premier league. I, I think that was probably a little extreme, but I do think it says something about the state of Chelsea right now. And I think you're exactly right, Wes. This is this is an early defining moment for Chelsea who have who have beaten the teams they're supposed to beat, but haven't done it with flair against the teams that that, that they're gonna be fighting for that you know top four place for. So 
and especially with such a, a flashpoint of a player like Diego Costa is. Uh, when you have a manager, Mourinho was, you know, very mind gamey, but he wasn't someone who would just be barking orders and be as animated as Conte. Conte, very uh, fired up kind of guy. So it will be interesting to see how these two very almost volcanic personalities like come together. And at the end of the day, I think it again comes down to Roman Abramovich. Who is he going to side with if Conte uh, decides to sit him down for a match or more? Is he going to side with his manager or is he going to sign with his leading goal scorer? Personally, if it's me, you know, back in the day, there have been times where Abramovich has sided with the players. Mm -hmm. Those players he sided with have been guys who were, you know, they were rocks of the foundation of that team. You know, the John Terry's of the world, the Didier Drogba's of the world. I mean, ability-wise, I guess you could say Costa and Drogba are in the same level ability-wise. But when it comes to being, you know, a foundation for the team or a leader or something like that, they are so polar opposite, it's not funny. The same with John Terry. So... I mean, to me, if I'm Chelsea, I think I can go out on the market and I can get a striker to replace Diego Costa. Okay. You know, I just – if this was a first-time issue, you could say, well, hey, you know, what's going on here? But, I mean, this is Diego Costa. He's he's like a Mario Balotelli who scores goals. (laughs) Always important to score goals. Always important to score goals as a striker. But, you know, I mean, he, he – and that said, I don't think he's quite to the – he's nowhere near the level of mischief of Mario Balotelli. But mm-hmm. when I say that, I mean that as in at the end of the day, they no matter what, they want to make it about them. They want the story to be about them. Right. And I just I, – I think for Costa's injury record – once again, he he is he's a top ten striker in the world. Don't get me wrong, but you know you look at his injury record, you look at his uh, transgression record. Mm-hmm. It, once again, now this comes down to Abramovich. Do I believe in my Do I believe in my manager? If you believe in the manager, if uh, if Conte says he wants him gone, I'd sell him to fucking China in uh, in January. Okay, <laughs> you know, um, but. I don't think this is a death knell by any means at this point for either guy, but I do think Conte needs to come in. He needs to sit him down and say, listen, you know, this is just me. I yell a lot. You're going to have to deal with that. If you want to be a part of this team, you're going to have to deal with that. And if you can't, then maybe it's in everybody's best interest that, you know, we look for a, for a solution Um, Mm -hmm. and and then start looking into what solutions can be. But I, I just, I think this is a very crucial point for Conte, the manager, um, in his uh, in his reign here at Chelsea. Um, let's wrap this match up with just a brief talk of Leicester. Um, oh yeah, Bill. As we mentioned, you know that their 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 Champions League campaign is is going very well, um, but this is a team West that against the upper echelon did so well last season, caught a lot of teams on that counter attack. And now the the counter isn't happening anymore. They are getting punished left and right by the good sides. Um, 
and I, I think what it comes down to is ironic now that we're doing talking about this during the Chelsea match. I think we're seeing maybe just how important, you know, N'Golo Conte was for this team. You know, Vardy and and Mares were the big guns last year, but it was really Conte who was that 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 uh, stabilizing force in midfield. And I think their inability to to sort of control the midfield this year is is really causing them problems. I think that and also last year, the, I guess the term you use is last year they completely caught lightning in a bottle. A it, it was a season where everything went their way. They didn't have any key injuries the entire season. And, I mean, we've said it, this isn't taken away from what they did because it was amazing, but you literally caught – you caught almost everyone in the top in the normal top six, either in transition or those guys just got murdered by injuries. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, look at them, you know, um, let, let's just take, let's just take the normal top six and look at them real quick. Last year, Liverpool replaced their manager in the middle of the season. Chelsea replaced their manager in the middle of the season. United were on the verge of replacing their manager during the season. Mm-hmm. City announced a new manager in January. <laughs> uh, and, and then and Tottenham just kind of, as well as they played all year, they got just a little spursy at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, those are, those are your base top six. So you had, you had four in transition. You had one who just kind of spurs themselves at the end of the day. And... Am I, am I missing? I seem to be. I'm so glad you're forgetting Arsenal. This is so oh, beautiful. Uh, Thank I, you. Okay. I was thinking I'd already said something about Arsenal. And, and at the end of the day, you know, Arsenal just had one of their weird things where you know, they had some weird injuries at weird times and they just Arsenal. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it was a perfect last year. And if it wasn't Leicester, it could have been someone else. It was just a perfect storm. Uh, for everything to come together for Leicester last season, it did all credit in the world. But you know, even just losing Angola Conte, um, you know, I mean, guys like Jamie Vardy, um, I think we're kind of seeing, and not that he's not that he's a bad player. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I mean, we're kind of more seeing Jamie Vardy's true level this year. You know, guys don't suddenly pop up when they're 28, 29 years old. They've never been shit, and all of a sudden they're just the best player ever. If that happens in America, we're drug testing them like every other day, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's called Brady Anderson. We've seen it before. (laughs) You know, that doesn't just happen every day. It happened this year. He's fallen back. Now, he hasn't gone to shit by any means, but he's not the same Jamie Vardy we saw last year. Mares. Mares is an interesting case. You know, every every big gun wanted him in the summer, and he decided to stay. And are we kind of seeing that, you know, Mares is another one who just kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, these are guys who, I mean, we never, truly, unless you were a big Premier League fan and you kept up with everyone, you didn't know who Jamie Vardy or Ryan Mares was going into last season. Or in Conte for that fact. Um... We knew Danny Drinkwater because, you know, men and blazers made fun of his name. <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, but we, we, and we knew Schmeichel because his dad was uh, Peter Schmeichel. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of what we knew. And then they brought in Ranieri. You're like, what the hell? Ranieri just, 
was the perfect guy in the perfect place at the perfect time. They got some really good early results. Other teams fell off, and they were just able to hold on to it. This season, you're no longer – I mean, there is no sneaking up on anyone if you are a, uh, a, a Leicester City player. You're not sneaking up on anyone because now you're being circled on the calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just I right, win, win, Leicester, win. No, now it's, oh, crap, okay, this is the defending champs. Yeah, they might be a little down, but they're going to get our best shot because you know it's a showcase match at that point. And this year, the big teams are like, these these guys aren't beating us. Right. And to date, that's kind of been the that's kind of been the case. I mean, it's not it's not like teams are beating them one nil. I mean, you know, these top teams are beating the shit out of them pretty much. I mean, Liverpool hammered them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, other teams who played them, the big teams have just been hammering them. It's not even really close. So I think we're really seeing more of the level. I think they're a, I think they're a bottom half. Uh, upper bottom half Premier League team. And that's what we're kind of seeing. And they're going to lose Mares after this season. Um, they're going to have to <clears> – <throat> the big thing for them is going to be to take this money that they're making for the Champions League because most likely this is a one-time deal unless they go win the whole thing this year and they're back in it next year, you know. But, uh, which, hey, that, that might be their best idea at this point. <laughs> but um, they need to take that money. They need to invest it. They need to sell Mares for as much as they can. If someone will give you a decent price for Jamie Vardy, sell him, and really, really, really invest into that uh, into your infrastructure. Because last year, I think we're seeing more and more was a fluke. Yeah, and and it's a shame for Leicester City fans. But congratulations, you will always have that title That's run it, and nothing. Uh, I'll, I'll bring it up a little later and so raw, but uh, they actually were mentioned on SmackDown this week. Wow. That's right. Mauro Ronaldo goes deep. We love a good tease here. Uh, and speaking of teases, that is all City may be doing to their fans right now. Uh, they look to rebound after their first loss of the season with a win against Everton, but it wasn't to be. Uh, David Silva earned a penalty just before halftime. But Martin Stecklenberg coolly saved Kevin De Bruyne's chance. Uh, Dexter Lukaku put Everton up one on a counterattack. And when Stecklenberg saved another penalty, this time from the king, Sergio Aguero, three points look certain for Everton. But Nolito saved the day with 15 to play. Stecklenberg, though a man of the match performance, kept the match square late with a few other fine saves as it finished Manchester City 1, Everton 1. Um... We can pump the brakes a little bit, I guess, Wes, on City running away with a league. Um, but this was a this was a chance they should have won. We'll get to Tottenham's performance a little bit later too. Um, both teams should have come away with potentially three points. Uh, City, though, with even more clear cut chances than maybe Tottenham had in their match, missing uh, having two penalties saved is is a virtual rarity in this day and age. And but Stecklenberg did it, and and now I I think we're starting to see you know some of those issues maybe maybe starting to creep up with City. The biggest of which, of course, is as I told somebody today on Facebook: once you start believing in City, stop believing in City. I think my favorite thing I heard today was uh, that's the first match that an Everton keeper has saved two penalties in I believe ninety five years. I believe that. Um, Roger Bennett said it was a splendid day out. <laughs> he obviously remembers. Um, yes. 
Uh, city. Hmm. Ooh, and then when you uh, put on top of that their performance in the Champions League this week, not a great week for Pep Guardiola. Well, and you know, just real quick, you mentioned that, and of course, we 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 can bring that talk in a little bit now, even though we do most of our Champions League talk later. But I think that's really relevant to what we saw. I have one question because we've talked about how good Stecklenburg was. Uh, is Claudio Bravo actually good? <laughs> Apparently, he's good with his feet, right? Yeah, <laughs> and his hands. Well, are we sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, see, and here's here's the deal. When you're a goalkeeper mm-hmm. and you play on the best team in the world, or let's say one of the best teams in the world, it's automatically assumed that you're an elite goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, when to me, sometimes in reality, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I think Manuel Neuer is the best keeper in the world. Obviously plays for Munich. Um, you know, obviously Iker Casillas for a decade was probably considered the best keeper in the world. Buffon mm-hmm. uh, at, at Juventus. Um, my thing with Claudio Bravo, and I've kind of made this point about Barcelona before and, and Guardiola as well in general, is I think sometimes you can overrate a guy who say is the keeper of Barcelona because you know, remember how Barcelona play defense. They have 70% possession. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't, as a keeper, you don't always see that much of the ball when your team has the ball for seven out of every 10 minutes. Um, and then when you take that 30% for the other team, you know, 15 to 20% of that is played in midfield. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of inflate uh, your sense of maybe what a player is. Right. Now, Bravo, don't get me wrong, had some good seasons at Barcelona. That said, you know, if you remember, Bravo was brought in to be a backup at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't even brought in as a number one. If Victor Valdez doesn't tear his ACL, who knows what happens at that point? Um, well, and the other thing is too. I mean, there there's a reason one of the best teams in the world sold their keeper to uh, to Manchester City. It's because they have another really good keeper yeah. who is also younger, d- despite you know age maybe not being as big a factor when it comes to goalkeeping. Paging Tim Howard. Well, that said, you're looking at about a ten year gap there. So exactly that, that that's still the thing. A little more significant. Right, and Mark Andre Stegen had a great season last year. Was it was their their Champions League goalie in all those matches? Also, I believe their Copa del Rey goalie. Um, so I, I feel like there, there's a reason that that Barcelona decided. You know what? No, we're 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 good. We're good, Claudio. You uh, you go. Well, well, and you know, it, it kind of came down with Barcelona where. Ter Stegen, I mean, hey, you know, as a Liverpool supporter, of course, we were highly, highly uh, hooked to Ter Stegen, you know, like we are with everyone. But um, there were quite a there were quite a few teams that were sniffing around Ter Stegen, and Barcelona knew if they didn't hand him the number one shirt, 
there was a good chance he was going to try to force his way out of uh, out of Barcelona. And if he did that, you know, then they they lose the young future German number one. So there were some political games in that as well. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, the fact that they were willing, okay, yeah, well, well, we'll give you this one. I mean, obviously they played the cards to what they wanted to at Barcelona. We'll put it that way. But they were in a good position to do it, so it worked out for them. But, I mean, you know, up until the last few years, you kind of like we were just talking about with Leicester. I mean, don't get me wrong, Claudio Bravo was a good keeper. Claudio Bravo was never considered in that Neuer Buffon uh, class of keepers before. Right. So, uh, I mean, like we said, he he plays he plays the um, he plays the style of play that Pep wants to play, which is you know. As we said, he's good with his feet. He plays out of the back. He does that well. I'm I'm just not exactly convinced that, you know, he's the be-all, end-all, greatest goalkeeper of all time. That maybe City yeah. wanted to sell you. And I also wonder, the funny part is, um, you know, maybe maybe were they a little better off with Joe Allen? Oh, Joe We Joe Allen. And, and, or, uh, you not know, Joe Allen. Uh, Joe Hart, Jesus. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. We Joe Allen and Gold show such a great character. He Joe Gold be amazing. Um, I, and I think, ones. you know, also, oh God, I, you know, we're kind of shitting on Bravo a little bit here, but th- there is, I think, something to be said about the the city back line also not being great. Uh, I, you know, I saw the highlights from their their Champions League match today, and at least that first. Uh, messy goal and I, I don't know if you've seen it yet um, th- yes the defender did slip that was on him but uh, Otamendi was literally when Messi was going to the ball when the ball came loose Otamendi was maybe at a half an inch from Messi's back when Messi got to the ball he was about six feet away Otamendi had basically just stopped as had about four other city defenders who were on their feet and in the general vicinity of where the ball was trickling to. And none of them went for it. This city back line is not good. And when they can't score, when they don't control the midfield, which is something they weren't able to do against Barcelona because it's fucking Barcelona, that's where they're going to run into problems. And, and that's where... Yeah, they are going to have a tough time against some teams. And, you know, I think that's a little bit of what Tottenham showed. Uh, I have no doubt. I'm not sure what kind of lineup they're going to use, but I have no doubt that's what City's going to, or not City, uh, sorry, Liverpool's going to do to City, is they are going to harass and high-press the shit out of that back line, and they are going to force them into mistakes. And, and from that point on, it's it's the, the, the way to attack City and the way to beat them is now clear. The problem is, and where City is going to be okay is, there's not many teams they're going to play that have the talent level or the personnel of a Tottenham, of a Liverpool, of a Barcelona, who can run these systems that can beat them. Hull cannot high-press City to death and win a midfield battle and, and, and beat them like that. So that's, that's where City is still going to be okay. But when they play... I think some of these elite level teams, they are still going to be in a 
lot of trouble. Oh, and the where the real fight's going to come in this year for City is, like you said, and it's going to be playing the Tottenham's of the world. It's going to be playing the Liverpool's of the world. You know, teams that will get in your face and press and have a lot of talent on the field. Not just we play this style, but they've got a lot of guys who can make you pay. Uh, you know, what we saw today against Barcelona, I mean, Barcelona – to me, Barcelona and Tottenham have kind of put the blueprint out on how to beat City. That said, there are not many teams that are equipped to truly be able to do that. Um, you know, Barcelona, Tottenham, Liverpool, uh, maybe Arsenal. Um, I guess United's kind of shown their true colors. They don't want nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that said, for City... Luckily for them, they just won't see a lot of teams that can really get in their grill and go. But that said, that could be a reason that they don't win the Premier League or don't win the Champions League. Mm -hmm. If they don't on both of those counts, it's going to be because a team like one of the ones we just mentioned literally pressed them to death. And all three of those teams also that we mentioned, they have four teams. We'll throw Arsenal in that mix, okay? All four of those teams also have the offensive firepower to give their back line absolute fits. Right. Now, that said, let's be real here about Manchester City. Um, after this season, hell, it might be as early as January, the way apparently everyone now is wanting to do things. Um, they are going to – Pep is going to be given the checkbook, and he's he's going to be able to go out and pick the guys that he wants. Um David Alaba, the fantastic fullback for uh, Bayern Munich, the Austrian, uh, who, of course, Pep managed uh, at Munich, I believe, actually gave him his first team, his real first team run. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's very high on City's list, and I wouldn't put it past him to go and get a guy like that. Let's just put it this way. The group that City have back there right now, that is not the group of the future. No, 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 no. Or Manchester City. Except so, maybe John Stones because they signed him to a huge friggin' contract. Yeah, no, John Stones is a the guy they're expecting to build around, and I really don't understand that. Whatever, whatever. Hey, he's good with his feet, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, other than Stones, you know, I, I would expect to see, if not in January, um, next summer, I think you're going to see a major overhaul of that back line for City. So uh, it might be one of those get them while you can kind of things. Yes, get them while you can. Um, Speaking of getting while you can, uh, get Swans while you can because Bob Bradley is turning this team into a machine, sort of. Uh, Bob Bradley's first game in charge of Swansea could have gone better, but also could have gone way worse. Uh, Theo Wolcott's opening brace was answered by one from Goofy Sigurdsson. Mesut Ozil looked to have sealed things in the 57th, but a 66th minute Borja answer made it a tense finish at the Emirates. Gunners get the points, though, and have quietly moved up to pole position, even with... Maybe what we described as the be- uh, the beginning of the season, the best Arsenal sign ever, Granite Xhaka having an awful match, responsible for both the Sigurdsson goal and seeing straight red in the 70th as it finished Arsenal 3, Swansea 2. Uh, so we do joke, uh, Wes, but, you know, this is a team 
that is basically getting no contributions from Olivier Giroud. Uh, Theo Walcott is uh, is becoming somewhat of a goal scoring machine. He scored also in the Champions League this week. Um, is is this a team? I know I I feel like I keep asking the same question about Arsenal every week, um, but I I feel like they're they're finally. This, this, I almost feel like this is what we expected a little bit to see from them last year. There's still some deep concerns. Uh, I think Xhaka being maybe a little out there uh, is not is not a good thing for them. But a Shakhtarin Mustafi, you know, we, we talk so much about Xhaka. Shakhtarin Mustafi might end up being the best signing Arsenal has made in a while. Somebody on this podcast said that at the uh, end of the signing. I actually said he you might did. be the best signing in the Premier League this year. Yeah, that's true. I was, I'm a huge Scottrude Mustafi fan. A um, couple of little points to make. Grant Shaka, he's 24 years old. Uh, just turned 24 last month. Uh, that's the eighth red card he's seen in his career. <laughs> so he, um, he, he's an immense talent. He's a fantastic player. I would love to have him at Liverpool. Um, I'm sure you would love to have him at Spurs, uh, but he, you know, he is he is definitely one of those guys that um, the good definitely comes with some bad mm-hmm. uh, because he he's one of those guys you never know he he's uh the word they use is he'll see the mist and he'll just do something crazy even though I don't think. Uh, I don't think Arsene Wenger was too happy with the red card. He said at worst it should have been maybe a dark yellow. Dark <laughs> yellow. It is uh, in Francis. We know it's with my colors I paint with. Is that how we with the dark yellow? There is actually a color I believe named Wenger, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so Arsene, while trying to say he shouldn't have got red, was saying, I mean. If he didn't get red, it should have been all but red. So, you know, when you've got that reputation, uh, that reputation follows you. So, yeah. uh, Granit Shaka, for as good as he is, he's going to have to figure that out. Um, as far as that match, it, we give credit to Bob Bradley uh, because, you know, with that, that's the first American to ever manage a, uh, a Premier League match. In case you've missed Men and Blazers for the last two weeks, we'll we'll go ahead and tell you that that's the first American ever manage a Premier League match. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if it wasn't Bob Bradley, we maybe wouldn't be being quite as nice about this match as it should have been. Um, the scoreline flattered to deceive. Arsenal could have easily put six or seven on the day. They were yeah. absolutely fantastic. Uh, a couple boneheaded plays gave up their goals. One was late. They were truly in control, I believe, the entire match. Uh, even though late on, you know, Swansea did have a couple of chances to uh, to equalize that match. Arsenal were definitely the better team of the day. Um, uh, Mesut Ozil scored an absolute worldie. That goal was, oh, my God, it was superb. The third mm-hmm. goal for Arsenal was just beautiful. Um, all the way from the cross to the finish. Um and you know, I think I believe I believe I picked Arsenal sixth in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So did I. Um, you know, we were both really, really down on Arsenal, and that wasn't really us being haters. Mm-hmm. That was just kind of looking at what everyone else had done, and then seeing what Arsenal at that point had not done. Now, I told you if they signed Mustafi, I would jump them up a few places. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they did so. Uh, 
but I think right now, maybe this will kiss a death on me. I think right now Arsenal are probably your favorites to win the league. There you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> I think they're playing just phenomenal football. They they just and and not only that they look different this year, and I think that starts at the back. I think they've got two guys who I think they've got two guys in the middle of the field who are are proper proper good players. And like I said, Mustafi, I thought he was the biggest signing in the league, and um, I. I I still think that's true, and I think it's playing out in front of us. Well, we will see. Still 30 matches to play. Still 30 matches for Arsenal to be Arsenal. Uh, and speaking of Arsenal being Arsenal, Spurs being Spurs, Tottenham stay unbeaten if only just all the chances in the world went to Spurs. And were it not for a standout effort by West Brom keeper Ben Foster, they might have won by multiple goals. Instead, it was left to Delhi Ali to cancel former Spurs uh, Nasser Chadley's 82nd minute putback. Uh, Chadley did not celebrate, and neither will Spurs, who lost Toby Aldevereld in the match. Though reports have suggested he will be back very soon as all the images and everything came back very clean. Um, So this is a Tottenham team, Wes, uh, that drew 1-1 to West Brom, both of their meetings last year, draw them again uh, at the Hawthorns, uh, playing a Tony Pulis side who doesn't have any interest in playing beautiful or even somewhat appealing football. Um, they're just, just a nasty, nasty Pulis, Matt. Nasty Pulis. Um, and that's... That's that's how he does, um, but that's that's that is what Tony Pulis does. Their defense is is stout, and they will play all these men back. And if you want to really get a good bus parking, just wait till our next match. Um, but you know, for for Spurs West, uh, it is at the end of the day a point gained. A their third point they've secured from a winning position or sorry, from a losing position already this season. They were one of the top teams last year in getting points from losing positions. They are still undefeated. Harry Kane will start training. It looks like on Monday again with the team, which means he'll probably be a, a couple more weeks and he'll be back. Uh, Alderweireld might just be missing a couple weeks, which is huge news for Spurs. If this team gets healthy and if they can learn to start scoring with a little bit more consistency, I still think this is a team that really can challenge for the league. And it's and its results not not being down because, you know, we talked about it. You know, I think maybe I hate to use this as the example because I love you, but the, the one of the best examples for what I'm, I want to describe is the Liverpool Burnley match from earlier this season where it seems like your team has all the chances. Everything is going against you, though, and somehow the team pips their one chance, or in Burnley's case, in that one, their two chances. Literally, their only two chances, and and they come away with the points. Tottenham, 82nd minute, Nasser Chadley puts one in. Well, you know, we, we've done our best. We've given them all we can do. Their goalie's just been amazing. We, we lost on the road. It happens, I guess. Uh, and they come back and they fight. They get a point. Uh, and if it wasn't for Foster, Erickson had a free kick in the final with a, basically the final <laughs> kick of the match that nearly went in the top corner, if not for Foster palming it out at the last second. Um, th- this is a Tottenham team that you can really see it. And it's it's been throughout 
a lot last season and a half now. And I just feel like sometimes when we look back at Tottenham, we only think about those last few matches at the end of the last season. But this is a mentally tough Spurs team. And and it's it's an I think as as bad as it was to give up a goal to West Brom and on their one chance, I still think on the road it's a point gained. Well absolutely and I take that. Um Truth be told, I mean, to me, the worst thing Spurs did all day was come out of the locker room wearing those hideous uniforms. God, I wish they'd burn those gold kits. Oh, oh my God. Well, well, they're, so <laughs> they're so bad. <laughs> but anyway, um, you, you know, as you said, Spurs were nowhere near their best on the day. Um, Chadley was playing with uh, extra passion, you know, playing playing your former team. That's always a big time for you. For him to score, that was huge for him. Um, obviously, looking back at last season, Tony Pulis does something right mm-hmm. against Tottenham. You know, it's, yeah. just, it, it's, you know, some people just have your number. Um, you know, for a long time, up until maybe sometime last year, Southampton seemed to have Liverpool's number. Um, you know, and it's always a team you're like, how are we losing to these guys? Uh, how is this happening? Um, but you know, as you said, I mean, the end of the game, what, what was what was very impressive about Spurs is those guys able to keep their heads up, keep their heads in the game while wearing those hideous gold uniforms yeah. after going a goal down. And you know what? All it takes is that one opportunity when the ball does fall to you late. No matter how many of you missed during the game, you lash one in and it changes everything. And at the end of the day, it was a, it was a huge point rescued for Spurs. Mm-hmm. It was certainly not what they were hoping for going into the match. Um, but, you know, once you get laid on into a match, especially if you're a goal down, if you get that point, then it's a point one. Yeah. You know, it's a difference of a point one and two points lost. I think for Spurs, it was a point one this weekend. Agreed, agree, and especially agree about those kits. Um, finally, our fifth in the five and focus series. So, yeah, that match happened. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool and United played to a goalless draw at Anfield as Josie Mourinho employed a strong midfield, a.k.a. we're going to play Fellaini and park the bus. And uh, Zlatan alone up top, completely ineffective, unfortunately. Uh, playing as the lone striker, um, was caught off sides multiple times, committed some fouls, even picked up a yellow late. Uh, that just showed his frustration of not being really able to get any service during the match. Uh, David De Gea also did enough in goal to keep Liverpool off the scoreboard. But hey, it's a clean sheet. So, yippee. yippee. Liverpool, nil. Manchester United, nil. Um, you talk about uh, Tony Pulis doing some things right. Uh, this was, you know, I think I think we all got caught up in some of the hype of this match and forgot that one of the last times, one of the most famous times, uh, Josie Mourinho brought a team to Liverpool with the team flying high. He parked the bus just in this game. Uh, Jordan Henderson didn't slip. So no goals are scored for United. Um, but this is, I, I don't think we should be shocked that this is the tactics Josie Mourinho employed. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, I, I will say this, Liverpool, I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here because I don't watch all Liverpool matches as much as you do. 
But as 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 from what I saw watching pretty much the entire match, Liverpool didn't press nearly as much as I thought they would. Uh, they they and by the pressing, I mean the Gagan pressing, the very high, very strong pressing. They did it once or twice, and it actually worked pretty well. The couple times they did it, they forced the United back line into some bad decisions and almost capitalized on them. Um, so he didn't press very hard. The thing that it did do, though, is the threat of the press. I think is what led Mourinho to basically playing Zlatan on an island and 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 playing the lineup he did, not playing Mata, not playing Rooney, uh, going with the, the strength in the midfield with big guys like Fellaini and Pogba, playing them more back, playing Marcus Rashford on, on more of a wing position. All these things were done, I think, to to mitigate the the press and, and Liverpool's ability to, to get behind the United defense. And to that extent, I think the press still worked even when it wasn't being used. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, this is something that at least Liverpool, I think, can hang their hats on where they sit. Because my biggest worry from a neutral perspective for Liverpool is what are they going to do if they can't score in a match? Well, they they managed they managed to keep the other team out tonight, and that, I think, is huge. I know you would love West to, to beat United. I know you love it. But I, I still think a point here is not a terrible result. Oh, no. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, this was this was 100% out of the Josie Mourinho playbook. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's, <clears throat> let's build up to this match. A week before the match, they announced the official, <laughs> Anthony Taylor. Anthony Taylor, Anthony Taylor is about six minutes from Old Trafford. That said, and I found this out from Marlo White. Uh, yeah, he's like a fan of some League Four team. God, yeah, something like from the sixth division. Yeah. So you know, and and hey, I, I do think it's a good idea. You know, everyone has to pledge their allegiance somewhat yeah. when you're an official. So that's a good thing. Um, I didn't think Anthony Taylor did a bad job at all, no. um, but Mourinho, in typical Mourinho fashion, made a big deal about it all week. Made a big deal. Oh, I don't think this is fair. I don't think this is right. Oh, because, you know, how can he be impartial? Um, and then what happened is Mourinho put out a big physical team. And this big physical team basically went out and played a style of football that no one enjoys watching. Unless you just enjoy people clattering in each other and stopping any semblance of play. Tony Pulis enjoyed that match. Um, and what happened was mentally, I think in the head of Anthony Taylor, it was, Hey, you know, this guy's got me in a spotlight. I can't do anything crazy. Now that said, he did pull out four cards on United players, but I personally thought there was a time or two. He could have pulled a red card and he held the red card. He let, he let a lot of things go early. He did. did. And that was another thing. He he basically let United dictate that this is going to be a physical matchup. This is we're not totally going to play football today. Part of this is going to be ninety minutes of survival. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, and by putting you know Fellaini and then Pogba obviously in there and his big group of players, Mourinho came out and said, "I, I don't think my team can beat Liverpool straight up in a football match." Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong. I, I really don't. You know, this is, and, you know, we talked about it kind of with City. You know, this won't be the same United team we see next year. There's going to be changes made. Things are going to happen differently. 
But Mourinho, oh my God, Mourinho. I mean, he that's what he wanted to do, and that's what he did. Um, that said, uh, it did take a world-class David De Gea save. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's another keeper in the Premier League, maybe outside of, uh, let's say, Hugo Lloris, or maybe um, uh, Petr Cech in his prime, mm-hmm. who's making that save. Uh, it, it was a world-class save because that ball was heading toward the top corner of the goal. That was one nil. That was going to be it. So give all, all the plaudits go to De Gea on the day. He had another really nice save, but that, that one off Coutinho was absolutely mm-hmm. world-class. That was as good a save as you'll see all season. Um, Zlatan had an opportunity that I think a lot of us who are Zlatan fans, which we still are, mm-hmm. He had an opportunity where I think that's usually a ball that he puts in the back of the net off that header. And instead, he just he didn't get anything on it that he wanted to. And it just rolled like back across front of goal. Well, and that's the other thing. I think he I, – I almost kind of want to say that was sort of his intent. But because he was playing on an island, nope. there wasn't anybody there to, to tap it in because it was an easy tap in, but there was nobody there. You're right. You're right on that. Uh, Pogba – I think that's the worst game Pogba's played since he's been in England. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was the least amount of touches he's had. He had absolutely no effect on that match. I mean, you talk about – and that's why, you know, we go back to when we talked about the signing of Pogba. And, and here's the deal. I understand Pogba is a signing for the next decade yeah. and not just 2016, 2017. And last, I think they're also going to have to make a lot of changes to that team to really accommodate Paul Pogba. Mm-hmm. But I also said, Ed, back when he signed, if I'm spending 90 million pounds for a guy, I want somebody who's going to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. yeah I'm spending that money on Bale. I'm spending that money on Ronaldo. I'm spending that money on Messi or Suarez or Neymar or somebody like that. That's what I'm paying that money for. I'm not doing it for a midfielder. And um, I, I just I thought Pogba – Pogba was terrible. Zlatan was not very good. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking at these two guys who were these two massive pickups in the offseason. Neither of them really did anything for you. Ander Herrera was really good, I thought, for United. Um, he, he really bossed the midfield. Um, Valencia, I thought, was oh, very good. and oh, made a yeah. crucial uh, oh, yeah. slide tackle there late. That was another one, you know. Uh, Firmino looked like he was free on goal. You know, Valencia may have saved a goal with that tackle. That was a world-class tackle. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, from the Liverpool side of things, uh, Emre Chan was making his first start since the Europa League final. Mm-hmm. And you could really see the rust in Chan. Um, he was nowhere near the player he was back in May. Uh, of course, coming off an injury that basically forced him to miss the entire summer. He's been playing his way back into uh, you know, back into, into shape since. Um, he's... He's he's not the player he was last year yet. He's he's got to get some games under him. Uh, Daniel Sturridge, and I'm, I'm gonna say something on Daniel Sturridge, and I absolutely, Whoa. I hate to say this because you know how much I love Daniel Sturridge. Oh yeah, you know how much I love him. I don't think Daniel Stur, I don't think this Daniel Sturridge fits in with Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Yeah. Um, to me. Sturridge is a really, really good plan B option right now for Liverpool. 
I think that's his best role is to be a super sub, uh, a guy who, you know, well, you know, let's just say, um, it, it, you know, kind of like in the United match the other night, if one thing's not working, you can go to something else. Mm-hmm. And to have someone like Sturridge is fantastic for that. The injuries to Sturridge over the last few years have robbed him of his pace. He's still a magnificent finisher in the box. But the problem is, It's it's almost like it's almost what we said about Christian Benteke last year. Mm-hmm. Sturridge wants the ball delivered to him in the box, and then he can make a play. Liverpool wants you. Liverpool want the ball put into the box while you're running in, and you make a play on the run. Right. That's what Liverpool want, and that's what Firmino does. Um, that's what you know. Divac Origi can do that. Um, the legend is Danny Ainge can do that. <laughs> Yes. That's kind of an inside Liverpool joke, by the way. Last time, man, if this was 2013, Daniel Sturridge, I'd say, "Holy shit, we've got the perfect guy for this." I just, I just think the injuries have killed him at Liverpool. Um, I think, I think next summer he's probably going to be on his way out. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's it. If they do that, Liverpool, I think, will go out and invest some real money into a striker. A uh, little rumor in our news and notes that we'll get to a little later about Moro and Cardi. That, I mean, that's the kind of signing you would need to go out and hopefully be able to make. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But that said, you know, I mean, right now, Liverpool are at their best playing with a false nine. And that's, um, that's Firmino in the false nine. Because, you know, that's kind of the thing for Liverpool is you want that fluidity up front where you don't have to be just a striker and play in the box. You know, you can be the guy coming in off the wing and you can switch to the wing. You can switch, you know, up front. You can switch outside. You can do all these different things. That's what Klopp's looking for. I just don't know if Sturridge provides that anymore. And the problem with Sturridge is he's not going to get any faster. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm, I, that's, that's my opinion on that. He, he had a, he had a really poor game on Monday. Um, but just getting back to the match, I, I don't think either team really deserved to win that match. I thought it was, I thought it was a deserved nil nil draw. Listen, Liverpool had the best chance with the Coutinho shot that if, uh, maybe if anyone other than De Gea, that ball goes in, Liverpool gets all three points. But with the way the weekend worked out for Liverpool, it didn't really hurt them because they they, they stayed basically on par with City and Tottenham. Uh, they all got a point. Arsenal gets the jump up with the three points. But, hey, you know what? After eight matches, you know, in July, if you had said, hey, Wes, after eight matches, you're going to be two points off the top and sitting in fourth with mm-hmm. the, the opening schedule that we knew Liverpool had. Um, I mean, you know I would have – ripped your arm off and, uh, you know, run away with it going, absolutely, I'll take that. So I think Liverpool are in a good spot right now. Uh, I think they're in a better spot than United, I'm going to put it that way. And um, as we kind of finish up our Premier League coverage with that, uh, as we said earlier, City's not running away with this. And, buddy, I think this league could be incredibly fun in the uh, next 30 matches. 
It's going to be a great one because as we take a look at the table, it is incredibly tight up top. City looked to be running away with it, but they have been pulled back to the pack. As it now stands, City still atop, but they're tied with Arsenal on points and just one ahead in goal differential. Uh, Tottenham are in second, just one point back. Liverpool are in fourth, just two points back. Chelsea, three points back in fifth. Everton, uh, four points back in sixth. Or sorry, I'm, yeah, four points back in sixth. And United are five points back in seventh place. And that same five-point gap is what separates right now 14th from 20th. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Middlesbrough now sit just outside of it in 17th place with six points. Also now with six points on the back of their first win are Stoke, but they're incredibly worse goal differential than Middlesbrough's, keeping them in at 18th. Swansea right now are in 19th place with four points. Rob Bradley has 30 matches to turn it around. And Sunderland, 20th place, two points in eight matches. But take heart, Sunderland. You could be Aston Villa and have just one win in the championship so far. Bloody, that's bad. I tell you, Aston Villa and Wigan both sitting in the bottom half of the championship right now. And it is uh, it is not looking good for either of those teams. Who, of course, Villa just going down last year and uh, Wigan winning the FA Cup just a couple of seasons ago. But, hey, Newcastle's doing what they're supposed to do. Newcastle and Norwich are up near the top of the league. So uh, they're, doing, they're doing their job at least. Also, my apologies to Aston Villa. They have won another match since I last looked at the championship table. So they're up to two wins. Uh, currently sitting in 18th out of 24. Wigan are in 23rd out of 24 teams in the championship. Uh, but, however, back to the Premier League because your weekend uh, looks very, very fun as we get to the matches. Uh, start your Saturday off the right way at 7.30 a.m. with the AFC Bournemouth taking on Tottenham. Uh, goals plenty in that match. I believe Tottenham won that fixture last year 5-1. So uh, we'll see how that goes this year. At 10 a.m., you get the choice of West Ham Sunderland, Swansea Watford, Leicester Crystal Palace, Hull Stoke Burnley, Everton, and Arsenal, Middlesbrough. And at 12.30, Liverpool gets their Tony Pulis fix as they host West Brom. And then on Sunday at 8.30, Manchester City gets the Saints of Southampton. And at 11 a.m., it's actually a pretty interesting match now. Chelsea versus Manchester United. How will uh, will Diego Costa start? How will Josie's team respond? We will see. I'll tell you, looking, um, just real quick to finish my Liverpool yeah. talk, um, Liverpool next six fixtures uh, take out that Spurs matchup in the uh, in the League Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. Next five Premier League fixtures you look at as a fan, and you really feel good that you can go and actually win five matches. And I will also go ahead and say this as a Spurs fan: you can go ahead and feel pretty well you'll win that League Cup match because I'm pretty sure we're <laughs> going to be playing our entire academy. <laughs> Uh, be interesting to see what Liverpool does. He's put out a couple of, t- of um, quality squads in the first two matches. So uh, I, I think for Klopp, and we'll finish our Liverpool Tottenham talk here. I think for Klopp, one thing he saw that Brendan Rodgers didn't do was mm-hmm. win a cup. And Rodgers actually became like the first Liverpool manager who lasted as long as he did and never won a cup. Mm-hmm. So even if it's the League Cup, um, 
I think Rogers would, or Rogers, I think Klopp would maybe like to at least get one under his belt just to kind of get that monkey off his back. Oh, and absolutely, I don't blame him. I think he should actually play a pretty strong team, you know. Uh, I think more just Tottenham with, with the injuries they've had and as well as having to play Champions League exactly. football this year. Just just Cameron Carter-Vickers, you're starting at center back. Congratulations. All right, so as we hit, uh, we'll be taking a quick look at the Champions League now. But uh, before we do that, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i-em-power.com. And we are back on the Foreign Affair podcast. Edward Green and Wes Bradshaw here. If you're just joining us, and I don't know why you would be, uh, you are listening to episode 129 of the Foreign Affair podcast. We are about to jump into our Champions League talk. Uh, Wes, we start in Group A because we are still in the group stage. Uh, matches played this week. Uh, big wins for the two uh, front runners of this group. Arsenal beats Ludens, Cough Drops, Luderets, Rosgrad 6 0. Paris Saint Germain beats Basel 3 Three nil. Uh, so both those teams now sit at seven points in the group. Uh, Ludogorets and Basel each with just one, and uh, it looks pretty clear. While neither has clinched a a spot yet, uh, Arsenal and PSG are definitely going to be going through, barring something catastrophic happening. Yeah, um, Arsenal. We talked about them in our Premier League talk. I think they're they're playing just fantastic football right now. Um, and the free-scoring Theo Wolcott uh, gets another one today, and uh, Arsenal are Arsenal are marching right now. They're doing, they're playing great football. And hey, Edison Cavani scored a penalty for PSG in the 93rd minute. So, yeah, Basil, wait, what does it all mean? Way to come through when it doesn't matter, Edison. Um, going to Group B, this is a much tighter group. Uh, Napoli uh, losing to Besiktas 3-2 in a back-and-forth affair. Uh, it would come down to Vincent Abubakar uh, to pick up a brace, including the 86th-minute winner, awesome. uh, Napoli. Napoli tied it up twice. Uh, Dres Mertens with a 30th minute goal uh, for Napoli in that one. But uh, Napoli fall 3-2, still lead the group with six points. But that, as well as Benfica getting a big 2-0 win on the road against Dynamo Kiev, have tightened this group up. Uh, Napoli at six points, Besiktas with five, Benfica with four, Kiev with just one point. Uh, but Wes, I think, you know, we thought Napoli and Benfica would be the ones to come out of this group. Besiktas with uh, two draws and then this big win at Napoli uh, coming out of there has, has thrown a bit of a spanner into the group. Uh, they have, and for Napoli today, you know, what looked like they were just going to cruise on, um, missed a penalty today as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that really hurt them and then gave up that late goal. Um you know, for for Besiktas, you know, give them credit. They've gone through this first round with no losses, only team in that group to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they probably feel a little hard done with a draw against Kiev at this point. So they've got to feel pretty good about themselves. I think right now, I think that's a wide-open group uh, just because Napoli coughed today. 
Yeah, and and so we'll have to see. No, nothing's safe in that group yet. Uh, Benfica still looking to break into those top two places. Uh, one of three, not not knockout stage spots punched, but a punched spot to at least the Europa League. Though I don't believe Barcelona will be ending up there. Um, third place, at least, is though now guaranteed for Barcelona after they put the whooping on Manchester City. It was actually a pretty close first half, uh, despite the the easy messy goal in the 17th minute. Uh, City actually looked pretty good in the first 45, and then things fell apart. Eight minutes spare uh, spaced, Messi's br- second half brace, giving him a hat trick. Neymar added one for good measure late on. Um, and that, along with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach's win over Celtic, in Glasgow uh, is leaving the group Barcelona at nine Man City now because of that draw they had against Celtic they're only at four points uh, Gladbach are at three and Celtic are at one and now Wes for City they're gonna have to come right back in a couple weeks uh, and play at home against Barcelona knowing that they probably need to get at least a point to to keep uh Gladbach a little bit at bay here and that makes their November 23rd clash that will be played in Germany just absolutely pivotal well you know coming in this group it was all about who was gonna blink well no doubt it would be City <laughs> the uh the draw with Celtic Already, I think they had to know at that point that they were in for a tough run uh, when they drew Celtic just because they knew the next place they went was going to be Barcelona. Um, And then you turn around and you get Barcelona right back at home again. City, if I'm not mistaken, look at their Premier League as well. I believe City are in a tough little run of games right now. Um, Not only that, of course, like we talked about earlier, Barcelona has exposed them at the back. Uh, they, mm-hmm. They've kind of, I mean, they've pretty much exposed what city is and how to beat city. Um, so, like you said, I think city's definitely playing for a point at home, and then they've got to bear down and go get two wins to get out of that group. Right now, uh, city's next little fixture list here, as we said, home against Southampton, then away to United in the League Cup, uh, away to West Brom. Home for Barcelona, home for Middlesbrough, then at Palace and at Mönchengladbach, uh, and then they wrap up November at Burnley before starting December at home against Chelsea. Uh, so this is not going to be an easy run for uh, for City, and we'll see how uh, Pep instills them with maybe some sterner stuff than they've had in the past. Uh, as we head to Group D, uh, Atletico Madrid, like their Barcelona counterparts, have also punched at least a third-place si- uh, finish in their group. Uh, they are perfect nine points as they beat Rostov 1-0. It's never easy for Atletico. They love they love these 1-0 wins. They've won each match in the group stage so far uh, 1-0. And it's it's pretty impressive when you beat Bayern 1-0. A little less impressive when you uh when you beat Eindhoven and Rostov 1-0. Although those, those those were both away from from the, the Calderon. Uh so Atletico topped the group with nine points. Bayern uh beat Eindhoven. Eindhoven 4-1, so they currently sit at six points, and Eindhoven and Rostov both with just one point apiece. Uh, so Atletico right now, 
Uh, obviously, another win uh, in a couple weeks in Madrid against Rostov puts them through into the uh, the knockout stage. And uh, because of that win at home against Baron earlier, if they can go to the Allianz and just get a draw that last week, Wes, this looks like a team that's that's going to come out of this group. What I think is a a decently tough group as group winners. Um, I'd say decently tough group, and I think they might. I think this group probably is the best one-two group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you look at Atletico and Bayern, both teams have actual sights and dreams of winning this competition this year. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, I mean, no, no offense to PSG and Arsenal, but yeah. I mean, we kind of know how that goes. Um, it just really, really impressive from Atletico. We've talked about them before. Atletico is not a team that is out to wow you or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, blow you away with their beautiful uh, play. They're out to win, and, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. Uh, Carrasco getting the uh, getting the big goal today for them, um, and that's a team right now that they're just taking care of their business. They're staying low key under the radar, including in La Liga, and they're they're quietly having a really good season. Absolutely. Uh, now we go to the cr- the closest by far group in this group stage right now, and that is Group E. Uh, Mo- Monaco gets a late draw in Moscow as not David Silva, but Bernardo Silva scores in the 87th minute to uh, cancel out Lacina Traore's uh, early first half goal. Traore actually on loan from Monaco to Moscow. Uh, So Monaco stays atop the group also because Tottenham goes to Leverkusen and gets a nil-nil draw. And Wes, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about De Gea that he may be along with Loris and an informed Chech are the only ones who make that save on Coutinho. Loris might have made one of the saves of the season uh, when he kept out that Chicharito goal. And when we say keep out, we mean by literally a quarter of a ball uh, from going completely over the line. Everybody in the stadium thought it had gone in. Chicharito thought it had gone in. uh, And then we were like, well, you know, maybe they're not using instant re- or not instant replay, but goal line technology. You know, maybe they missed it, and then they did have goal line technology, and they showed it right there. Just one fraction of the ball left stayed out, and Loris put it out. Uh, a great match from him. Uh, Tottenham very ahead in the first half, very behind in the second. Uh, but if they can win their two home matches against Leverkusen and Moscow to close it out, uh, Tottenham will be marching on into the uh, the knockout stage. But this is an ultra-competitive group. This was uh, this was kind of a week of amazing Champions League saves. Yeah. Uh, Lloris had one. Schmeichel had one. I believe uh, Buffon had a pair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Um, you know that was that's just how this week has been. Uh, you know, offense is being uh, being a little stymied by that. Uh, but for Tottenham, you know, going on the road to Leverkusen, so let's you know this is a Tottenham team that I mean really does not have this kind of European experience. So for them to be getting it kind of on the fly and being able to hold their place in this group and still have a really good chance to get to the knockout stage, that's huge. I mean, Leverkusen. Sometimes you might, Psh, yeah, Leverkusen. Yeah, that's still a tough place to go play. So for Tottenham to go get the nil-nil, um, I, I give them credit on that. Especially after the way their weekend match went with the one-one. Um, 
you know, I think Tottenham maybe are finding their footing in this in this European football thing. Yeah, thank God. Not a moment too soon when they were going to get a, a second chance at Leverkusen at good old Wembley in a couple weeks. Um, Group F, uh, Real Madrid and Dortmund still sitting atop with seven points each. Uh, Real Madrid hammering Legia Warsaw, led by uh, Gareth Bale's opening strike. Uh, Sporting falls to Dortmund 2-1. Uh, Patrick Aubameyang with a goal in that one. So Madrid and Dortmund with seven points. Sporting with three. Legia Warsaw, no points. Uh, and this is, you know, that, this is pretty much, I think, going how we thought it was going to go, Wes. And uh, now it's just going to be a question question of during the uh, the last match week of the season I or the the group stage when uh, Dortmund has to go to Real uh, of who finishes atop this group uh, definitely I mean these two are both playing well enough and both have plenty enough quality they're going to be the two going through um, and I agree with you I think it's going to come down to that one uh, last match of the group stage um, what happens and I think it'll probably be uh, probably be the best uh, name versus name matchup in the last week of uh, or in the last round of matches, and we'll see what's at stake when they get there. But I think right now both teams looking like they're going to be holding serve. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And then moving on, lastly to Group H, where uh, oh I'm sorry, no we skipped a group. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. How group dare H- you skip this? So as Arlo White said on Twitter, the group of life uh, for Leicester City. Yeah, uh, Leicester also now joins Atletico and Barcelona. Never thought I'd say that as uh, in, in a group of guaranteed at least advancement to the Europa League um, with a third place finish. They currently sit atop with nine points in three matches. This time a one nil win at home against Copenhagen. Uh, Riyad Mahrez with the karate chop. Winner, uh, Copenhagen and Porto both have four points. Uh, Porto getting a big win late against Club Bruges, two to one, as uh, it took a 93rd minute penalty by Andre Silva to save a pair of points for Porto and keep Club Bruges at the bottom with zero points to show for their efforts. Um, so this was a late comeback by Porto, but West, the story of the group, and I think we thought Leicester City would would be okay in this group. But they are flying through this group right now and have a chance not only to now advance to the knockout stage, but win the group and avoid maybe some very tricky first round matchups. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, we jumped about a little in the preseason, but it almost seems like, you know, they're putting their they're putting their eggs in the uh, Champions League basket. Every single one of them. Well, you know, I mean, I I think we kind of made this point between us. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we said it earlier, you know, everyone knew you weren't going to come back and win the league. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, they did. Anything's, po- yeah, anything's possible. I mean, but in all honesty, you weren't coming back and winning the league. Oh, oh man, I was hoping for free tacos tomorrow. Thanks a lot, stupid Cubs catcher. Anyway. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just say shit, folks. That's what I do. Um, but, you know, this is a lesser team that they they got one chance. They're getting one chance in the Champions League. You know you're not going back. You know, why not? You know, last year you gave your fans an amazing, an amazing um, gift. 
Okay. An amazing gift of being able to win the league and do something they never do. So in year two, I'll give them this. Why not give them this amazing, you know, chance of, you know, maybe doing something in the Champions League? Because you're never going to get this chance again, really. You're never going to get this chance again. Mm -hmm. So give them the chance. Give them a chance to go around Europe and get into the knockout round and see if you get one of the big boys. I mean, because what would truly be bigger for Leicester than Barcelona versus Leicester, Real Madrid versus Leicester, Bayern Munich versus Leicester? What would be cooler and bigger than that to be a fan and get to go to that match um, at the King Power? Exactly. So, uh, you know, I mean, you got to make sure you stay up in the Premier League. Don't get me wrong. You surely don't want to get yourself in a relegation battle. But, you know, on these weeks where you've got European football, go for it, man. Go for it. Yeah. You only live once. In uh, Group YOLO H. YOLO, Green YOLO. Yeah. We still doing that? Thank God. Nope. Uh, Juventus uh, with a late win in Lyon from erstwhile Chelsea striker Juan Cuadrado in the 76th minute. And Sevilla wants nothing to do maybe this year with Europa League as Samir Nasri scores the winner against Dynamo Zagreb. Juventus and Sevilla both at seven points. Lyon at three. Zagreb with zero. And uh, Wes, this is, this is how we kind of thought it would go. We just... We just, although we just sort of expected, you know, Sevilla will find a way to finish third and then go win Europa again. But it looks like this year uh, they're going to have to do it the hard way. And I tell you what, if uh, with all that they've done, however, you know, if if Sevilla finishes second and Leicester draws them, it wouldn't be the worst result in the world for the Foxes. No, no. Um... Of all the teams they can draw. <laughs> Because they can't draw Arsenal, so, you know. Draw Arsenal, and Arsenal's definitely the team you want to play in that round of 16. We all know that. That's that's the gimme team. Um, Yeah, Sevilla would be a bad draw for them. Uh, You know, give Sevilla credit. They're doing what they need to do. Um, Juventus, they know they're not really on that level, but they're beating the other teams they're supposed to beat. So good for them. As for Juventus, you know, we mentioned it earlier, a couple of fantastic saves by the old man. The old man playing for the old lady, uh, Gigi Buffon. Um, and Juventus is doing exactly what Juventus is supposed to do. And they are. So we'll see if Juventus can break this deadlock with Sevilla uh, later on as they'll meet in match week five to settle who wins the group. All right, Wes, uh, we are running a little short on time. So instead of doing the couple stories we were going to, uh, we are going to just quickly mention that um, Hull have gone ahead and made their their current caretaker manager, uh, their official manager, Mike Phelan, is now the official manager of the uh, the whole City Tigers. As uh, a fifty three old took over and had those couple matches where he had whole rolling, and then of course they just lost six one to Bournemouth. So, but don't worry, you you won't be fired yet, Mike. You're 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 fine for at least a couple more weeks. You've officially uh, got the job. Exactly. Um, so what we're going to talk about, and you mentioned this a little earlier, um, our big story, it's not so much that he is a Liverpool target. It's also an Arsenal target. It's more that, um, 
Mario Cardi <laughs> might be a little cheaper in the transfer market. Um, basically, writing in a book, which, you know, I he's only like 23, 24, how you're already writing a book, I don't really understand, but that's not really the well, point of the story. Just know there, there have already been either two or three Steven Gerrard autobiographies. Hi, Stevie. So, um, apparently apparently so, that's, that's part of being a top footballer nowadays is uh, I think every couple of years you just got to update people on your entire life story again. So. Um, so basically what happened is that Cardi wrote on the book that uh, the he went up to a member of the Ultras, who, of course, the inter the big inter supporters. Um, and this this one supporter tore a shirt from a child's hands and uh, threw it back at the captain. Um, so, and then he stood up to the man and he kind of went on with it. And in the book, he said that he was quote, a hero to his teammates. Uh, but the, uh, the ultras did not exactly see it that way saying quote in a statement, a Cardi, as far as we are concerned, you're finished. Why should squalid fiction? They, they really embellish it there. We are horrified. That book is ridiculous. And with regards to that incident, they are only lies. Uh, there are no more excuses. Uh, we considered him young, a bit of an idiot like many, but deep down a good lad. Also, I didn't think lad was an Italian word. Uh, instead, this that was probably just in the, uh, translations. It's a nice translation there. Instead, this is an individual who cannot be allowed to wear the Inter armband. It's not for us, but Inter simply don't deserve this. You are finished with us. You are done. In all capitals, take the armband off, you clown. Yes, that is what we demand. Uh, he has apologized on Instagram because that's where you apologize now. Um, and he's he's sort of built up a little bit of the relations. I don't know how much the Ultras are having it, though, Wes. Um, so... I, is is this where we are now? Is this where where we are in football, where a twenty three year old writes a book, tells the story, and then has their entire supporters going after him? And now, if you're Inter, do you have to get rid of him in January? Well, first and foremost, as we were just joking about the books, everybody writes a book now. Usually, it's after you come back from the World Cup. Um, you know, there, there was a joke in England that um, uh, there would be more autobiographies coming out after the World Cup than guys that they took to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just kind of how it went, how it goes in England, is, uh, for the English players anyway. Um, I don't really understand the whole fascination with the autobiography, especially at that young of an age. I mean, obviously, Ed, you are the proud owner of, uh, I believe it's called I Am Zlatan. Yes, Latin story. Um, this Latin story, we'll call it. Uh, but and as I said, kind of tongue in cheek, I truly believe Steven Gerrard has released at least two, if not three, autobiographies. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now the problem is <laughs> the problem that Accardi did. Now the ultras. When you hear the word ultras. Um, that is kind of used to describe, uh, or, or it's a word, it's kind of a term of endearment that, uh, that fans, as they call themselves, the ultras, uh, they are kind of the, the hardcore section of your fan base. Now, the thing is, when you hear the word ultras in Europe, you usually think of the guys who are popping flares and stabbing opposing uh, fans. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, immediately when the word ultras come up, you're not exactly talking about the highest, I would say, caliber of human being. You know, these are Raider fans who stab people in the parking lot after games because you are wearing, like, the opposing team's jersey or something. Right. That's kind of what the ultras are. And especially in Italy over the decades, they have a very, very kind of bad connotation to them. Um, but, but I understand that they're idiots. But when you're the, not only when you play for the squad and you're a big part of it, but you're the captain, you can't insult, you can't insult your own fan base. <clears throat> Let me put it this way. I'll, I'll make a quick political statement on this ed oh boy and this is i'm sure when donald trump does his rallies and sees some of his supporters donald trump internally is going holy shit this guy's supporting me (laughs) um donald trump does not say is he but okay we can go with this line i'll allow it but that said donald trump's not coming out on instagram later Hey, guys, I had a great time in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, that was a great crowd, except for you half a dozen idiots who were, you know, doing whatever they were doing, except for you half a dozen white trash morons. Yeah. He's not saying that. He might think it. You know, Hillary Clinton might think it. They're not saying it. And if those two could not say it, I mean, come on, we're scraping bottom of the barrel with those two. If they can keep their mouth shut about it, I mean, that's that's basically what Icardi did was basically call out his own fan base and call them idiots. Um, and if you're the captain of a team, I mean, it's one thing if uh, – who can we use for an example? Who's, who's Colo Torre. Colo. If you're Colo. Now, Colo wouldn't do this because Colo's a good guy, you know. Yeah. We know. But, you know, Colo's played for Arsenal. He's played for City. He's played for Liverpool. He's played for uh, Celtic now. You know, if he said something about Liverpool fans, okay, you know, you played for us for two years, maybe three. I can't even remember. I think it was two years you played for us. Okay, you know, hey, we don't like it, but it's different from Steven Gerrard coming out and saying, oh, the Liverpool supporters, they're all morons. Mm. You know, there's the difference. And when you're the club captain, you're asking for nothing but trouble by doing something like that. Yeah, it, it was it was just incredibly stupid. Now that and said, it here here's something else to think of. Could okay. he be doing this as part of an angle to get out of there? I think it's if he did, it's extremely short sighted and it's still extremely stupid. But could yeah. that maybe be in the back of his mind? Huh. Well, you know, they wouldn't sell me last summer. I'll tell you, well, if I call these fans idiots. They'll have no choice but to sell me. I think at that point, you know, you just I think at that point, then doesn't does the club just keep him there out of spite and then not like if they if they, if they see it as a, a negotiating ploy to, to make that they they have to accept a lower cost and that he can get out easier. I think if you're the club, you just say, no, you just stay here. Well, now, play. Now, now here's another thing. You know, I sent you something earlier in the week about Inter in particular you know, they do have the new ownership, um, which apparently uh, this new ownership group is extremely willing to pump cash into the club. I believe mm-hmm. what was their wish list was uh, Suarez. Uh, Aguero. Aguero and, <laughs> and, um, oh, and somebody else. 
I can look it up real quick. Oh, Go it's ahead. a really good top midfielder, I think. But anyway, you know, apparently Inter have money and are looking to spend it. So I'm not. Th- I'm really not thinking that that was his idea. Was let me get myself pushed out of town here. Mm-hmm. But what I also think is, I think right now Inter are playing at a different at a different bargaining table right now than we, they were even when we saw them back in July or early August. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of that new ownership, they're not going to be afraid to go out and try to spend money to get guys. Um, so, you know, I think right now maybe the loss of Icardi would not be quite as catastrophic as um, the loss of Icardi maybe in August would have been. Right, and the last guy on that list was uh, Ames Rodriguez. That was the um, list. Yep. So I, I don't know. I think I think this is going to be fascinating to watch play out, especially as we get to January, because I, I I don't know what you do if you're Inter. I don't know if you just keep them around, see what happens next summer, and see if you can maybe um, well, repair I, I the think, relations. I think one big thing was he did come out and apologize for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are guys who would be like, "I wrote it and I stand by it." Kiss my ass. Um, I mean, I don't think right now a decision has to be made about what you're going to do in July. Mm-hmm. So I think it's – now, look, hey, Ed, what have we always said? What's the great equalizer? What makes people love you? Hey, go score 30 goals and win Scudetto. And that my that was going to be my last question uh-huh. as we wrap this up here. You, you are a fervent Liverpool supporter. I am. We we said that, and you use the example. If it, there's a difference between if Colatori says it and Steven Gerrard says it, if if Steven Gerrard had said that, let's say when you were, and this would have to be back even maybe when he was back in 2005, 2006 in that region, if he had said that at that point, and you were you were a Liverpool fan, mm-hmm. which you were, would you have forgiven him? Um, after Istanbul. Here's the thing: if he, if he says if he says it after Istanbul, or if if he says it and then Istanbul happens, if he says it and then Istanbul happens, I think that is I, I think it's, Istanbul's one of those things. And, oh God, this is great equalizer. I, I may go to hell for saying this, but you know, Ed, when you're baptized, all your sins are washed away. Yeah. I think Istanbul would have been like his baptism. <laughs> it would be like, hey, you killed a guy, no problem. Europe, um, because if Adam Johnson go win in Istanbul, you'll be fine. All Adam Johnson had to do was uh, lead Sunderland to the promised land. I mean, if they won the Premier League last year, Adam Johnson could have banged all the fifteen year olds he wanted. Uh, oh, that was bad. That's uh, bad. But I mean, if you do remember, not to get off too big on a tangent, you know, Stevie G leading up to Istanbul, there were massive reports that um, he was going to sign with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. That he was going to push through a transfer to Chelsea, and there were Liverpool supporters who were pretty pissed at Steven Gerrard at that point. But once again, Istanbul washed away the sins. Uh, he decided not to go to Chelsea. He turned down Chelsea. He became obviously a red for life, and um, and that kind of was the cure all for everything. So yes, so winning, you think winning there, is so you think there life. is a way to forgive him? Absolutely. That's sick. I don't think Inter as a team are in a position to win Scudetto this year or Mm. probably really even uh, qualify for Europe. So that kind of, that makes it very tough because as I said, winning is the great equalizer. 
There you go. Um, so that's going to do it for our soccer talk on the week. Uh, we are going to head now into the watch for Wes. What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Uh, in the week that will be uh, maybe the most anticipated season debut of a television series in years. And that is this Sunday at the long wait is finally over season seven of the walking dead premieres. As you know, Ed, uh, I have, I've done a full six season binge watch of this show this summer. Uh, it is the Bradshaw family show at the moment. Um, all the way from, uh, from myself, head of the household, all the way down to the four year old who, um, has a crush on Daryl. Uh, (laughs) Um, we are awaiting this with bated breath. Um, my wife and son have been uh, going over theories for about three weeks now, trying to figure out who died in the lineup. Um, they think they have a good idea. They've been looking at anything they can find online, behind-the-scenes pictures, anything. They think they figured out a few things. We will have to see, but uh, I think you're going to get a huge number on that show on Sunday night. And... Um, I, for one, am highly, highly anticipating what's going to happen. Because, Ed, if nothing else, I get a full year of Jeffrey Dean Morgan now. There you go. Megan. Um, I, I am, I'm going to do two quick quickies here. Uh, one that I just watched today, uh, the first, and they're both teaser trailers, basically. Uh, the first tra- teaser trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out today. Yeah. Oh, man, it's looking so good. They're already... Uh, Playing hooked on a feeling again, and I am hooked on that Guardians of the Galaxy feeling. Oh, Batista, you, you need a hug. Do you need a hug? Let me, let me hug. I, I don't need all oh, Batista. Batista found his true calling in playing Drax the Destroyer. Um, really, really great, and uh, we get to see uh, Zoe Saldana as Gamora kicking so much ass. Um, so it's it's gonna be fun times, and we have Baby Groot. So there you go, Vin Diesel. Baby Groot, that's your role. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Tomorrow morning, and this has already happened by the time you guys are listening to this, but tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., it was just announced actually a couple hours ago um, on, on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Nintendo will be having a trailer, whatever that is, for the NX, their next console. It will be revealed in some form or fashion tomorrow uh, at 10 a.m., in a trailer so what that means i don't know uh i assume that means it's going to be a trailer for the what they do these nintendo directs usually like 34 minute live webcasts of what's coming out so i assume that's going to be a trailer for one of these that will be happening very soon uh maybe friday maybe next monday uh but we are going about to get i think a lot of whatever the next nintendo console uh information is going to be is it going to be a handheld is it going to be a home console is it going to be both in one uh, we will find out as the NX, which release. is its current code name, is revealed. What's that? Re-release of the Game Boy. Um, sort of, sort of. Well, they they're good. They're re-releasing the NES. Yeah, they so. are. Yeah, um, if Contra is on there, I'm I'm all in. Oh God, is it? I don't think it is. I gotta look that. You know what, what Wes? I, I need original Contra. Well, while I list uh, li- look up the list of the 30 games that are included in that NES uh, re- re-release, uh, why don't I let you, uh, on the on the arms of Dave Bautista, hug your way into So Raw? Oh. 
Okay, Ed, where do we start? Let's start with, uh, since we like to do our orders chronologically here. Yes. Uh, we're going to start with Monday Night Raw. It was a very talkative Monday Night Raw. Um, did a lot of talking Monday night. We did get a uh, Rollins-Chris uh, Jericho rematch, which I thought was really good. Rollins ends up beating Jericho uh, in the end of that match. Um it was fun. It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> um, that was built. That, that's kind of building something. Ed. We've talked about one of my favorite things going on on Raw for about the last six weeks have been the two best friends uh, in the entire world, and that's Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we may have gotten a little bit of a crack in that friendship this week, which is really hurting me inside. Um, Jericho asked, asked Owens to not come down and not stay at the at ringside for his match with Rollins. Uh-huh. Uh, Jer- or, uh, Owens ends up coming down late in the match anyway and inadvertently ends up costing Jericho the match. So we have a little... Uh, we, we have a, a confrontation backstage a little later between those two guys. Um where it gets a little heated. Jericho's like, I didn't ask you to come to the ring. I asked you not to come. Owens kept saying, but you're my best friend. I'm here to support you. I was just trying to help you. And uh, Jericho gets a little worked up and uh, starts a phrase saying, you just don't get it, you stupid. And he caught himself before he said it because Kevin Owens' face said everything. If he had called him a stupid idiot, which he was on his way to doing it. I don't know what would have happened. It could have been catastrophic. Oh, no. But he held up. Uh, at the end of the night, they were on the same page, it seemed like. Uh, but what, what I believe is that uh, this, these are the opening cracks for our next championship uh, program, which is going to be a Jericho-Owens program, which is going to be absolutely amazeballs. Because, as I've told you, I think they're the two best talkers on Raw right now. Um, probably the two best talkers in the entire company. And when you get them going head-to-head, it's uh, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be special. Um, the big highlight on Monday night was the return for the first time since, I want to say 2002 or 2003, the return of Goldberg. Uh, Bill Goldberg, who uh, during... I have a quick question. Go ahead. I have a quick question for you. I saw you post this a lot on social media, and I have Uh got to ask, Uh when you say Goldberg's going to die, (laughs) how realistic are these chances? Like, is he actually going to die? Because he is an old man. He's 49 years old. That said, if I looked as good at 20 years old as Goldberg does at 49, I probably would have married a Victoria's Secret underwear model. I mean, this guy's jacked. He's huge. Um, I mean, if you if you had ever seen Goldberg back in his heyday, which uh, Goldberg came in around 97, um, he was uh, he was a WCW brand guy. Uh, was the world heavyweight champion on WCW. Um, and then after WCW was bought out, sat out for a while, made a comeback in WWE, made his appearances there, was actually beat Triple H for the world title while he was there. But he never... Now, here's the thing. When he was in WCW, he was like an, a national phenomenon. 
I mean, Goldberg was like, he, he was special. Of course, that was right in the middle of the Monday Night Wars. He was, he was almost like the, he was kind of, he was the Stone Cold Steve Austin of WCW. And he was big time. He was huge. I mean, I loved Goldberg. I would not miss a Goldberg match. They usually lasted about two minutes <laughs> because uh, he, he was such this overwhelming physical presence. Um, you know, the guy, he was an all-SEC defensive lineman at Georgia, uh, played for the Atlanta Falcons before uh, before injury forced him out of football. And he just, he had that, he had kind of like that late 90s, I'm sure this guy's on the gas uh, build to him. I mean, huge traps, just big arms, bald head, goatee. You know, he was your, he was like your perfect, had like the big tribal tattoo on his arm. He was your perfect 1998 you know, wrestling icon. Right. Um, when the WWE was good, people liked him. I don't think he really overwhelmed as much because he never really got the rocket strapped to him like he did in WCW. Anyway, his last match was at a WrestleMania. God, I almost want to say it was like WrestleMania 20. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be wrong. Maybe it was 21 or 22, but it was against Brock Lesnar in which he went over on Brock Lesnar. At that time, that was when Brock Lesnar was leaving WWE for his long hiatus in the MMA. Well, actually, he went and he played football, then he went to MMA. You know, Brock Lesnar and his his trips. Brock does shit that other people can't do. Uh, Goldberg's back. He's going to face Brock Lesnar. That's what this whole buildup's been toward. Uh, now, when I say he's going to die, <laughs> uh, what I mean, of course, by that is the fact that... Um, you know, Goldberg has dabbled in MMA as well. We've seen Brock Lesnar in the UFC. If they actually sat there and had like a UFC style match, Brock Lesnar might kill Bill Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Goldberg's a guy, he, like I said, he's big, he's strong. Um, considering the fact that uh, part-timers in WWE don't get drug tested, I'm hoping he's gassing right now because he's going to need it. Uh, now, obviously, these two are probably going to have a match at, I would guess, Survivor Series. Um, it's going to be a good competitive match. Well, I'm not going to say good. It's going to be a competitive match. I don't know what Goldberg right. can do anymore. I mean, when I say Goldberg was never a very diverse, this was my, no one's ever um, mistaking AJ Styles' moveset for Goldberg's, okay? <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Goldberg was kick, punch, uh, spear, jackhammer. That was kind of his whole moveset. Uh, so, I mean, he they're going to make him look good. Him and Brock are going to go back and forth. I believe. I see no reason why Brock won't go over on him. That said, Brock Lesnar could probably kill Bill Goldberg if he wanted to. <laughs> so that's more where that gets from. That and I think uh, Lesnar will beat him at Survivor Series. So, uh Anyway, that was the that was the big announcement. That was all over the social medias. That was all over uh, the ESPNs, who you know suddenly are on the nuts of WWE, but but only want to push like a Lesnar or Goldberg story. But anyway, um, so we move on. Uh, other than that, uh, just continue build up to Hell in a Cell, which is not this Sunday, but uh, Sunday the thirtieth will be held in a cell. Uh, as we said, we've got our three matches for that. Um, Rusev Reigns for the U.S. title. Charlotte Sasha Banks for the women's title. First ever women's Hell in a Cell match. And, of course, in the night, uh, the uh, championship match 
between uh, Rollins and Owens, which I'm really looking forward to. That should be really good. Um, jumping into SmackDown, I had to watch SmackDown this morning because I got home late last night. I, I had class all day and class all night, so I got home late. Um, well, let's just let's just hit the big storyline on, on uh, SmackDown. Uh, last week, I can't remember if I brought up last week and everything. Uh, there's there's this guy who they used to do a job um, to Braun Strowman about two or three months ago. His name was James Ellsworth. And James Ellsworth is just hilarious to look at. He's probably 5'9", probably weighs about 150 pounds. He's got like this bleach blonde hair with this horrible haircut. Um, and he doesn't have a chin. He's just, he's a very... I mean, it's like he's a he's a pro wrestler. Now, when I say he's going to do a job, um, <clears throat> there are these things in wrestling called squash matches, in which basically, you know, if if you just want to put over the big star and try to make him look like a badass, you put him in there with a job guy who's somebody who's not on TV every week and really doesn't even work for the company. Um, they just they bring him in like in whatever town they're in. You know, they get some local guys. You know, usually, you go over in about a minute. And, you know, this guy never even really gets a punch in. Well, this guy got some popularity because they let him talk before the match. He kind of said something, and then he just looks so goofy and doughy that that it, it, it's just he was funny to look at. So SmackDown has brought him back a few times now, and they've kind of been messing around with him with AJ Styles. First, they were going to make him be AJ Styles' partner a few weeks ago. And Styles just completely buried the guy. I mean, just, are you serious? This guy's such a loser. Look at him. There's no way he's in my league. So last week, um, Styles sets up his own championship match because he's like, you know, I think I should be able to fight whatever competition, you know, the best competition available. So now I'm going to fight James Ellsworth. So last week, here comes Ellsworth. Everybody's just cracking up. Well, Dean Ambrose is a special guest referee. Ambrose screws over uh, Styles, drops him with a drops him with the DDT, and puts Ellsworth on top. One, two, three. James Ellsworth beats the world champion. Right. So by virtue of being the world champion, this week James Ellsworth came back to SmackDown with a world championship match, title on the line, and everything. And um, they just they built it. I thought they built it up well. You know, they kept trying to put it over. It's very tongue-in-cheek putting it over. But, you know, what they were saying was, uh, you know, this, this could be the biggest upset in, in WWE history. This basic, you know, this complete unknown could beat the world champion. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the match was going back and forth. Dean Ambrose is down there trying to distract Styles at every chance he could. Finally, Styles got pissed and snapped and just started beating Ellsworth into the corner. Uh, the referee kept calling for a break. He wouldn't break. So, uh, Dean, or Ambrose, uh, AJ Styles got disqualified this week. So, for the second straight week, James Ellsworth has defeated the world champion. And the thing is, it's very tongue-in-cheek. You're kind of sitting there rolling your eyes. But at the same time, just the way SmackDown's done it, it's so it's just been so entertaining. You know, and I've been praising SmackDown now for about the last six to eight weeks. Telling you it's been mm-hmm. the best show. I still think at this point it continues to be the best show. Um, Raw still has all the potential in the world to fix that, but they're just not doing it for whatever reason. 
Uh, but SmackDown wins again for me this week. And uh, as I said, back-to-back weeks now, uh, Styles has lost to James Ellsworth. And uh, if you get a chance, just 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 maybe type it into your YouTube for two or three minutes. Just so you can get a look at this guy and see how, you know, truly pathetic-looking he looks. <laughs> um, I mean, like I said, seems like a really nice guy. I've heard him on a – he's done a couple of podcasts since then. I mean, seems like a good guy, but he's just uh, – He's just got a look where you're like, you got to be kidding me, this guy's a pro wrestler. But uh, very funny, very good stuff this week on that. Um, and, and right now, I think we're just, we're building for Survivor Series. Uh, well, I think it's, yeah, it'll be Survivor Series coming up next now for the uh, SmackDown group. Uh, that'll be our first, that'll be our first uh, joint uh, pay-per-view effort coming up in November. Um, that That's one of the, the historical big four and they said for the big four we will have the joint pay-per-views so that's what we're working up to um ambrose and uh styles seems to be your your big program right now for the world title so we'll see where it goes but uh decent decent week of wrestling i'll give them a decent week well lastly just real quick here as we're wrapping up the show um what in your mind does Raw need to do to to re overtake SmackDown? I guess is the right word, or or just get back up to where SmackDown is right now. The problem with Raw, and I think I've said this before, is you know, they run SmackDown like it's a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. They run Raw like it's a TV show about a wrestling show. It's like to me, Raw tries to over. I think they're. Here's here's my my biggest issue with Raw is the fact that it's three hours long instead of two hours. I just think I think there's a lot of fluff that goes on Raw just because they have to fill a three hour time slot. <clears throat> um, and yeah, you could say, well, you know, the fluff is what has a lot of different guys getting matches and everything. Well, that's great, but you know what? I could do without. I could do without half the shit that's on Raw every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, I think Raw, you know, where where the last few weeks, this whole Ellsworth thing on SmackDown, it's been funny. It's been tongue-in-cheek. Raw is kind of like the show that goes for cheap laughs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they want to make like, you, you know, it's kind of like someone going to a party and, you know, you know, hey, this guy's funny. You know, he can tell funny jokes and funny stories. And this guy over here... They're he, the show with the laugh track and SmackDown doesn't. Exactly. And, you know, and SmackDown's the guy who can tell funny stories. Raw's the guy who is trying to tell dick jokes to get a cheap laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just where they are right now. And just SmackDown just seems like... It seems like there's a... There's a... There's a picture. You can see down the line what they're trying to work toward. Mm-hmm. With Raw, it's like... Okay, why? Why is this happening? You know, give me a reason why this is happening. But then the next week they come back and they just, you know, they'll either just change it up or just a lot of it doesn't make sense on Raw. I mean, let me put it this way. Just just a quick example. Enzo and Cass. You've heard me talk about Enzo and Cass. They are extremely over. I mean, they get one of the biggest pops of the night, especially when you see them live. I mean, people go crazy. They love them to death, right? So you figure, hey, you know, let's let's make these guys a big part of our tag team division. Right now, they're talking about in the next pay-per-view, they might be on the pre-show. 
And oh. they're to me, other than New Day, they're the most over tag team in in the company. And I mean, they've got them doing like nothing right now. Mm-hmm. And well, actually, what they've got them doing right now is them, and I think it could be a very good program is them and my guys Gallows and Gun, who mm-hmm. I love and who are fantastic and who for some reason on Raw they treat like they suck. I mean, this is a team coming in was seen as one of the best tag teams in the world coming out of Japan. You know, they'd held many titles. And then they get on Raw, it's just like, oh, hey, we're going to have them tell some dick jokes and they're just going to lose. Yeah. And I just sit there and I just, I don't know sometimes. That's the thing. I just don't know sometimes. And um, I mean, let's say I keep watching Raw. I still like it. I mean, there are some things I love on there. I mean, I'll tell you, Jericho Owens is fantastic. I still love Seth Rollins. But there's just a lot that they could be doing that could be a lot better. Well, hopefully that will get better in time. And hopefully maybe uh, as we hit the uh, the end of the, the actual year, not the term of wrestling year, but as we hit the actual year, maybe uh, the next year we'll bring in some uh, some retooled storylines. Uh, but that is going to do it for this episode of the A Foreign Affair podcast. Uh, one last shout to our sponsors, NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop, as well as I'm Next USA and I'm Empower. Uh, you can find all of them on Twitter as well as us. We are as a collective at AFA pod. Wes, you are I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. Also can find us on Facebook via our sister show, the all new sports show, as well as on Instagram and YouTube. You can email us all new sports show at gmail.com. Mail us your letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Lastly, big thanks to all of our podcast providers, including podbean.com, the iTunes Music Store, Spreaker Radio, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, iHeart Radio, the TuneIn Radio app, and much, much more. So Wes, before we get out of here anything else to add uh, <clears throat> congratulations to the Cleveland Indians on yes. their way to the World Series and I'm not going to lie yeah they knocked the Red Sox out I'm much rather see Cleveland than Toronto uh, mm-hmm. hey plenty plenty of former Red Sox for us to pull for in Cleveland right oh, Tito. and plenty of former Red Sox uh, playing for the Cubs if that happens yes. and plenty of former Red Sox playing for the Dodgers too so by God man uh, we, we'll have plenty of guys to pull for in the championship is the Cubs. Uh, this just going final, Cubs beat the Dodgers 10-2, to two, so that series is tied at two games apiece. Uh, That's going to be a fun three lane. Yeah, one yeah. more in L.A. and then potentially two in Chicago. Um, I'm holding Kershaw to game six, by the way. That's just me. Oh, well, you got you got to play, uh, pitch Kershaw like Randy Johnson in the uh, in the 2001 World Series. Pitch him in game six and then bring him out of the pen in, in game seven. Exactly, exactly. Um, so baseball, you're doing a good job here in October, guys. Even if you did think it was right to send Big Poppy home early, you're doing a good job. Yeah. Got to say, ratings really up for uh, ba- the baseball playoffs. And uh, when you contrast that with how ratings are down in the NFL – we're helping between, between us uh, doing our thing and I think Colin Kaepernick doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's uh, – and then the rest of those fine young men at the NFL just, you know, raping and pillaging as they go. That helps. Yep. 
it's not one of those is literal one of those not so much so for my call in crime west bradshaw i am edward green thank you so much for joining us here we'll be back next week to talk league cup europa league and another weekend of premier league football until then stay safe everyone and enjoy the football good night los angeles yeah Every, I'm sure. I'm sure they went home early from Chavez Ravine tonight. Got to be that traffic. Kind of the Shocking. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i em-power.com you're listening to ngse sports radio hear us live on ngse sports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, radio spreaker itunes 